Kids love Christmas. Kids love Christmas. Christmas would be completely different if it weren't for kids. I mean, think about it. If, if it weren't for kids, Christmas wouldn't be as joyful. It would be frustrating. All we would have is bills because we'd be, be buying gifts for adult people. And even for people we don't like, we buy gifts for. So it really comes back to kids. And Jesus said it well. He said, I welcome the kids unto myself. And when Jesus talked about little kids, it reminds us how important it is to really think simply, to think simple, because we can actually uh, make Christmas become a difficult season because of all the things that we need to do. I mean, how many parties already have you gone to? Or maybe you've forgotten about something. Or maybe you even were, maybe you were so busy you forgot your kid at school or something like that. Because Christmas can bring so much stress to us. But even though we go through these different changes during the season of Christmas, God wants us to bring a different kind of change because we're all in a season of something. Today we want to look at the season of change and how, how when we go through changes in our life, how God plays a part in that. You see, so many of us think that when we go through changes, it's just because we're going through changes. Now, that's true to some degree, but there's, there's things that happen inside of us that, that bring us through changes as a result of something that God is trying to do because things change with or without us making that choice. It was about uh, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe that uh, I recognized this in my family that we bought a Christmas tree and, and my kids, you know, they wanted to decorate the tree. And so we wanted to surprise mom, and so we, you know, we got the tree, and then uh, we got all the decorations out, put up the lights, and, you know, I'm Filipino, so I'm going to put colored lights. So we put these lights on it, and it has to blink, you know, because then, you know, it's get more action. And so we're, we're putting on all these lights, and then I figure it's not, it's not decorative enough. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have that shine to it. And so we, I got tinsel, I got that, that garland thingy, and we put that around, and I thought, we need ornaments. So I got ornaments, you know, the glass ornaments, and, and so we decorated the tree. I mean, with, with so many things, the tree is like beginning to wilt. And so we got this thing decorated, and my kids were so happy because they made ornaments from school, and so they got to put this up. Well, we did this the night before. And then in the morning, we were ready to surprise my wife. And she was surprised. She came out and, and we said, surprise! And she said, oh, it's so colorful. And I said, yeah, it's, we decorated it. We wanted to surprise you. She goes, oh, it's so colorful and shiny. And I said, yeah. We, well, you know, the kids wanted to surprise you. And the kids are saying, mommy, mommy, do you like it? Do you like it? She goes, yes, I love it. I love it. It's so nice. Mommy loves it. But I'm just, I'm just going to move one ornament. Can I just move one? Okay, I'm just going to move this one over here in the back because it doesn't, it doesn't fit with the right coloring. And then maybe too much tinsel, just, just a little I'm going to take off. And, and you can see the kids like, you're ruining our tree. And so she said, no, it's fine, it's fine. Well, I don't know how she did it, but the next day it was changed. The whole thing changed. And then the kids are, well, where's, 
where's all the ornaments and, and things? She goes, well, it was, you know, smothering the tree, but it, looks, it still looks nice. Look, I still have your ornaments on it. Like, where is it? Well, it's in the back, but, <laughs> but it's there. Now, this is what I've learned through the years. I can try my very best to decorate the tree, but mom will win. Mom will win. For some reason, you guys just like it a certain way. Now, we don't even touch the tree. I mean, we'll help her bring it in, and then that's it. We're done. And it still looks nice. Overnight, changed. Some of us change overnight. But sometimes not for the good. Sometimes for the worse. See, we all go through seasons of changes. Even in our world. I mean, like, we grow up, and then we see all the different fads come in. And then when you're in your, like, your 30s or 40s, all these kids are wearing what you used to wear when you were kids. And, and styles come in, and then they fade out, and then they come back in, and then they fade out again. Life goes through changes. You know one of the difficult changes I have a hard, one of the most difficult changes I have is when you go to a, a football game or a baseball game, and they sing the Star Spangled Banner. But it's not the, oh, say, can you see, by the dawn's early light. I mean, it's much better than that. But they bring in, like, professional singers. If you watch the Super Bowl or any professional game, they bring in, like, the best singers. But you watch the audience, no one's singing. Because they can't. Why? Because they change it. You have a professional singer come in. Oh, say, can you see? By the dawn's early light. And everybody's just. And then at the end, brave. That's it. We don't, we can't. Why? Because it's changed. We don't like change. But I tell you the best kind of change we would like. It's the kind of change that God brings to a human heart. That's the best change. And because we don't like change, when we hear that Christ came to set us free or came to change our hearts, we hesitate because we don't know what it's going to be like. We don't know what that kind of change will bring to our life. So we're fearful. We're intimidated. We actually think it's going to be worse. Well, I don't want to be like, you know, one of those fanatics. I, no, I, I, I just want enough of God so I stay normal. I mean, look around you. We're not normal. Not too many of us are normal. What is normal anyway? I think normal could be defined as Jesus Christ. Or how God created us to be. We look at this Christmas story, and actually in the book of Luke, I'm going to read us a little bit of the Christmas story, that when Christ came, he brought the greatest change that this world would ever experience. And in the book of Luke, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'll read it to us. By the way, when you came in, you were given some uh, bulletin, and there's some notes in there that you can take out and follow along. But this scripture is not in your notes. But I'll read this. And this is when Christ was born. Now, we may know the story, or maybe, maybe today you might get the clearer picture on the birth of Christ and why we celebrate Christmas. And I'll read till about verse 21, so it'll be a, a good story. 
And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Uh, Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So they don't have like us, email, or you go to an office and fill out things. They had to go back to their home city. So they're traveling far distances. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her first, firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. You would be too if you saw this. I would be too. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. So they just talked to everyone and said what was taking place. And all those who had heard it marveled at these things which they were told them by the, sh by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now think about it. If you and I come into contact or have this relationship with Jesus Christ, something must change inside. Something changes when these people met Christ and what was happening in the season that they were in, it's like things changed. It was a joyful occasion. Many of them understood that this was the chosen one or the Messiah. That he would bring joy to the world. That he would be the light of the world. That he would be the Savior. The one who saves us from our very own sins. And as time went on, we understand that he died for us on the cross. Many changes take place during the season that we call Christmas. And that's what we want to look at. How, how can we be people who, who find out the reasons why Jesus was sent to us and what kind of change that brings to my life? Because this is what Jesus wants to do with every single human being because we all have this inside of us. It's a word called hurt every single person has hurt on the inside every single one of us because we're human beings 
whose hearts are very sensitive. That someone could say negative things to us, we'll carry that for the rest of our lives. Someone may say something or do something to us, we'll carry it for the rest of our lives. Our spouses may say something to us, it hurts us. Our boss, co-workers, family, friends, children, parents, relatives, we hurt on the inside. Jesus came to heal our hurts. And if you are taking notes, you can write in that first point there. Jesus wants to heal the hurts in my life. He wants to. That's, that's part of the reason why he came. Did you know that when you hurt and I hurt, Christ hurts with us? That he doesn't just stand on the side and say, well, you're on your own. That if you're hurting, that's it. No, he, he hurts with us. And so now we understand that because he hurts with us, he, he doesn't want us to continue to hurt. He wants to bring healing to us. Even as parents, just like with our kids, when they hurt, we hurt. And as they continue to grow up into their young adult years and, and they have a family of their own, and we take a more, you know, a more distant relationship so that they can be that family, when they hurt, we still hurt. We still go through hurt. And sometimes we just want to jump in there and save everything, but we sometimes can't. We can't heal hurts. Now, we can help, but we're not the healer of broken hearts. That's what Christ comes to do. And this is how it said in Isaiah 61.1, and this is hundreds of years before Christ was born. They were prophesying about Jesus Christ. And it says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, talking about Jesus Christ, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to announce that captives will be released and prisoners will be free. Many of us feel like we're imprisoned in our very own life with whatever happened in our life. But he came to comfort us which means to bind or tie up. He came to comfort the brokenhearted. He came to mend it. It's like heart surgery, that there's some things that need to be mended in there, that need to be fixed. And so he does that. He does that with our very own heart and our soul. And we hesitate so many times. And I think it's because of life. You know, we, we, don't, want, we don't want other people to know we're hurt uh, we don't want other people to fix our hurt. I mean, in general, think about it, physically. Like, when, you, when you're sick, and I think for moms, you may relate to this, that when you're sick, if your kids are sick too, you take good care of them. And then we say, go to the doctors. Oh, go to the doctors next week. No, you, you're sick. You should go to the doctors. Oh, I can't go to the doctors. My kids are sick too. And say, but, but you're not feeling well. No, I'll feel well. I, I drank tea. But it's like we don't even want to go to the doctors so that we can be better. And men, we're the same way. I mean, we'd be limping over the whole house. What happened? Oh, my back. My back went out yesterday. What did you do? I'm pickle on pencil. My back is sore. I don't know. I just didn't tweak them. Maybe this, maybe that. No, I'm getting old. That's what happened. And then my wife would say, you want to go to the doctors? Nah, no need. Just give me six ibuprofen. I'll be good. I'll be fine. A week later, you should go to the doctors. You, you can't even move. And then we think, 
about going to the doctors. It's like we don't even want to get better. Or I wonder if it's maybe a pride issue. Maybe we just don't want people to know we're hurt. Or maybe we think we can beat it or we can fight it. Whatever the case may be. We just don't like being checked upon. Even, it's, even if it's for our good. Now you bring that into our spiritual life. We don't even know half the time if our spiritual life is healthy or not. But Jesus does. He's the one that can heal the brokenness. And sometimes we don't want to go there because it's too hurtful to go there. What Christ is saying is there's an infection deep down inside that I need to dig out. I got to get that out. It's like coral that's buried deep beneath the surface of the tissue. Got to get that out. Otherwise, it's going to mess everything else up. Christ came to heal the brokenhearted. You see, when Jesus wants to mold us and shape us, it's not necessarily because we're bad people. It's because he loves us enough to want to make us healthier and better and better and better. He knows how we work best. He knows how we were created. But you might think, yeah, okay, I, I, I do. I understand that. There are things that I do want to change. There's, there's, I know there's things in, in other people I want to change. But Christ is saying, let's work on this. And then we may think, well, I, I want to, but, but every time I hit this, or every time I see that person, or every time I think about this, or every time I see my checkbook, or every time I think through this, or every time I revisit this thought, I just can't change it. Which brings us back to Jesus Christ. You see, that power to change, we as human beings don't have it. We just don't. We don't have enough power within us to just make ourselves wholehearted. We don't, we don't have enough power. It's almost like saying, I want to do heart surgery, but I don't want anybody else to do it. Give me the tools and I'll do it myself. You just can't. You can try, but good luck on that one. Christ is the surgeon. He's the one that gives us the power to change. And you can write in your second point, if you're taking notes, that Jesus gives me the power to change. You see, I'm sure every single one of us can find an area in our life, in, inside of our life, that, that we can change. And if you can, ask your spouse. They might have a list or two that might, you know, let us know what we can change. Or you might think, I don't need to change nothing. I'm perfect. That's change number one. <laughs> so we, I'm sure we all can find an area that we can change. We all can find an area. Yesterday, we were, um, we were at uh, uh, our uh, Christmas party, our, our staff Christmas party, and we were riding these uh, ATVs, and when we were riding horses and, and zip lines and things like that. Well, we were done, and we came home at about, I think about 8 o'clock. Uh, and so my wife tells me, she says, um, where were you all day? And I said, oh, I was helping. I was, you know, with the ATVs. And, you know, she goes, I hardly saw you. And I said, what do you mean you hardly saw me? Where were you? She goes, I was riding horses, and I was with the people. And I said, no, I was around too. I think we just were missing each other. But we were together for a little while. And then she said, she said yeah, but I didn't know where you were. And then she said this, you're going to work on that, right? 
I said, like, work on what? She goes, just letting me know where you are. And, and I felt the pride come up. I was thinking, you tell me where you stay. <laughs> and then I stopped. I said, you're right, you're right. Yes, I should have told you that I was going off in the boonies and, and, and all of that. And I thought, I can't change myself. I can't. I know Pastor Alex. I should have been with Heidi all day. I understand. <laughs> he could tell me later, hey, you should have been with... And I thought, I, I, I don't have that power to change. I need Christ. I need Christ to come in here, not here. I know what to do. But then when the heart takes over, that's where Christ should be. That he's directing the way. That he's saying, no, here's some things that needs to change. Why? Because I'm trying to save your life. I'm working in your marriage, in your relationships with your children your relationships with people. I'm going to give you the power to change because I have the power to change. Now, we can receive it or we can reject it. It's really up to us. We can. In the New Testament, Paul the Apostle, after Christ went to the cross and he resurrected, Paul the Apostle actually meets Christ on his way to actually destroy the people that believe in Christ. And then Paul's life takes a change. And now, he actually serves the Lord Jesus Christ. But throughout his life, he talked about a thorn in his flesh or something that was constantly nagging at him, something that was pressuring him, something that brought pain into his life, something that kind of kept him humbled. And he's, he wanted that to be taken away. And, and he kept praying to God, please remove this from me. It's just too much for me. But each time he prayed, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, each time the Lord responds in this way. He says, my gracious favor is all you need. And here it is. My power works best in your weaknesses. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. You know what Paul was saying? That when he was repeating these words of Christ, that power that can only come from Christ is that power to change. That word power that he uses means power to perform miracles. Power to perform miracles. Because for us to change takes miracles it does i mean if somebody that you know very well let's just say has some type of i don't know attitude problem towards you then all of a sudden they change and they're now kind to you and now they're loving compassionate and they believe in jesus christ that's a miracle you're wondering what happened Say, oh, you know, I, I, I became a Christian and now I, I, you know, I, I love Christ, I serve Christ. Really? You? Yeah. That's a miracle. When a husband tells his wife, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. That is a miracle. That's a miracle. When, when the wife says, you know what, honey, you're right. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. When you come home and the kids are doing their chores without even being told to do it, their rooms are clean, you can see their bed and their floor, that's a miracle. 
Celebrate those times. That's miracles. Yeah, it takes the power of Christ to change us. Miracles happen as a result of what God can do inside a human heart. When we give up what we want to do so we can make time for our kids, that is a miracle. When we say no to other people so we can say yes to our family, that is a miracle. When we say, I'm done with this addiction because of what Christ has done in me, that is a miracle. See, he gives us the power to change. Now, you may not be able to change your past mistakes. We don't have the power to do that. But I try to do this. I try to take my past mistakes, and instead of trying to change that, let that change me for a better future. Because now, if this is my better future, listen, this will be my past when I live here. So now when I look back on my past, I have a wonderful past. Because behold, all things are new. Old things have passed away, actually died. And then if people talk about your past, it's, it no longer hurts. Because you have all of this good that God is doing, the miracles that he's done, that overpowers any mistakes, hurt, discomfort, anything that has ruined our life. He brings that much change. Why? Because he has the power to do so. We can all find change, an area to change. The question is, when it becomes difficult to carry out the change, will I bail out? And I've done that many times. I used to tell my wife, you know, we would go to church and then I would hear something that, that uh, God would speak and it would be uh, to a husband and I would say, oh, I've got to be a better husband. I cannot, I cannot just, you know, leave my wife and, and uh, you know, leave her home with the kids and go bodyboarding every day. I can't do that. And so I would actually tell my wife, you know, I can change. I can change. God spoke to me and he said, be more of a family guy. You know, be a, be a husband, be a father and, and be with your family. Okay, I can do that. I can change. A week goes by, two weeks go by and then I start to taper off and then I go back to my old ways. And then my wife, you know, hopes up and then I go back to my old ways, and, and then it's, what happened to the change? I say, well, I need time for me. What about me? I'm, oh, I cannot do nothing. I cannot do anything. Oh, fine, then I can do nothing. I just got to stay home. And she says, you know, no sense stay home. If you're going to be grouchy, go. Go with your friends. Go, go, go. I said, oh, no, I go now. I'm mad. And it's like, I go back to my old ways. Listen, when it gets difficult, don't just bail out. Don't just bail out. Persevere through that. And we did that as kids. I remember this one time. Now, this is, this is not about tattoos, okay? So I'm just using this as an illustration. But when we were little, our, our uncles had tattoos all over. And we thought it was the coolest thing. And, and my, one of my uncles had this huge tattoo on his back with this eagle. And he used to always, you know, take off his shirt because he had one, you know, big body. And he would say, hey, how's this, how's this, how's this? And he would turn around and he would go like this. <laughs> and, and we would see the, the wings. I don't know if that was a, you know, a parrot or eagle. But it was, an, it was an eagle on his back. And when he would lift up his arms, we would have the eagle. And we thought that was the coolest thing. And then we said, hey, we're going to make tattoos. How are we going to do that? 
oh, we'll just, and we grab some equipment. And so we said, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to move a big dragon over here. Oh, yeah, me. I'm going to make one, like, oh, I'm going to make one, like, one vine going up. And then I'm going to put my name right across the chest. And we're all, you know, pumped up, ready to go. And then we grab the needle and then we start poking it. Ah, oh, ah, you know what? We're going to put one small cross over here. One small little, <laughs> ah, right over there. And it's, and, but by the time the pain hit, it's like we bail out. We say, no, 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 we, we don't want to do that. I mean, we'll talk about it. But when it comes time for the application, forget it. Too painful. Now, when Christ wants to change us, we bail out when it becomes painful. But what Christ wants us to persevere past is those painful moments. You know what makes marriages last? It's not that it goes smooth. It's that you're, you work through the painful time periods. Because when you work through the painful moments, it's like lifting weights. That pain, you're building muscle for your marriage. Learn from it. Don't, you know, go over the same thing over and over. Learn from it. You're building muscles for your marriage. Don't bail out when it gets difficult. Why? Because God is changing us for the better. He's making marriages stronger, relationships better. Even though it gets difficult, persevere through it. Get back to the basics. Speak to one another. Like with my wife, when she said, but you'll work on that, right? I said, yes, absolutely. I'll work on that. I'll go, take you, I'll go pack you on the ATV next time or whatever it may be. But it's, it creeps up. It really does. He wants to give us the power to change. And when the Lord speaks to us those kinds of changes, He does that because He loves us. Pers- per- persevere through those changes, through the painful moments, because Christ gives us the power to change. You know, when the shepherds were there, and, and, and you know, you had Mary and Joseph, and, and you know, Jesus was born Tell me that wasn't a painful situation as far as everyone was uh, involved. Not just for Mary, but for Joseph as a father, as, as a, one who would care for Christ. That was not his child paternally. I'm sure he had to wrestle through those moments. And he did. He actually did wrestle through that. But because of his obedience to God... He wrestled through even the painful times. And he said, no, I'm called to do this. See, the good news for us is that Christ, that power that he has, no matter how difficult life is, how painful things are, he sustains our life for the better. And that's your last point that you can write in there, that Jesus will sustain my life. He'll sustain my life. He gives me the power to change. And he'll sustain that change. He can do that because he has the power to do so. Romans 1.6 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. That's the power that he's talking about. And we should not be ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ because it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. That's what salvation does. It gives us that power, that deliverance, the persever- the, that preservation or the safety. Actually, that when, when he says that I'm giving you salvation, it saves us from the penalty, from the power and the presence of the pleasure of sin because it tears us down. 
If Jesus came to die for us and then came back to life, think about that. If he, if he came to us in human form, then lived and then died for us, how much more will he live with us? If he was able to do that, to experience human life and then die for us, how much more would he live with us? He can sustain our life. Otherwise, if we don't trust in Christ and we look to other things, it's just not going to have that power to it. It's like we have to be on, the, on that track with Christ so that, we can, so that we can make those types of decisions, Christ-honoring decisions. Otherwise, we won't, we won't have that power. We'll try to sustain our own life. But he has the power to change us, and he will sustain our life. Now, we can manipulate it. We can, we can do whatever we want with our life. We can, we can even justify it. I was uh, with my, one of my friends, and <clears throat> he said, you saw those new TVs? And I said, which ones? He said, brah, 3D. If you're not from here and you don't speak pigeon, I meant, hey, brother, it's three-dimensional. <laughs> Just to clarify. And he said this. He said, when you put on the glasses, the 3D glasses, look like you're on the football field, like you're standing on the field. So he tells his wife, he says, honey, I like it on TV. She said, you just bought a flat screen. No, 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 but this one is 3D. Like I'm on the football field. Babe, think about it. When I'm watching football, like I'm on the field. When they throw the Gatorade on the coach, I'm going to feel them. <laughs> and I told him, I said, look, buddy, first of all, you, you, you did it wrong. You're supposed to sell your wife, not manipulate her for the TV. You're supposed to buy it for her, not you. Actually, I think that's manipulation. <laughs> and so I, I, I told him this. I said, and, and she's right there. I said, this is what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to say, honey, you know when you watch Project Runway? You know when all the models come out and they try on all the clothes and you wear the TV, the, the 3D glasses? It's like you on the runway. In fact, <laughs> you the model. <laughs> you're the one. Now that's manipulation. If Christ, if Christ came to give us the power to change, here's my thought. Why do we try to manipulate our own life ourselves? Why do we try to justify our own behavior? Why do we try to trick ourselves into thinking that life is better without Christ? Oh no, but I know God, I know Christ. Yeah, here. But have I deposited it in here? You see, Christ came to live among us so he could experience life as a human being so that when he died for us and came back to life, he would understand everything we went through so that he can sustain our life when we go through what he went through. He can say, oh, I went through that. Here's how you change. Oh, I went through that. Here's, here's the power that you need. Oh, yeah, experience that. Here's the power and wisdom to sustain your life but we even justify our own behavior. And he says, That's, I, I've given you power to change. Even as Christians, we're going to battle with that. As third century 
as a third century man was anticipating death, let me just read this. He penned these last words to a friend. And he writes this. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found joy, which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their own souls. They have overcome the world. These people are called Christians, and I am one of them. See, even as Christians, we're going to battle. Even though we know Christ, we're going to battle. But without the power of Christ, we can't change or even sustain our own life. That's why Jesus came. It's that seasons, the seasons that we go through of change. And he says, listen, you're going to go through even the most difficult seasons of life, even when you know me. But I'm going to give you the power to help you through because only Jesus can give us that kind of power to sustain our life, whatever kinds of changes we go through. Attitude changes, behavioral changes, midlife crisis changes, health changes, perspective changes, job changes, career changes, economical changes, family changes, the passing of a loved one kind of changes, separation, divorce, our children growing up, those kinds of changes, becoming empty nesters, no kids at home anymore, those kinds of changes, or even our faith kind of changes. He's the one that gives us the power to move in and throughout our whole life so that we can come out on the other side healthy and well. He gives us that power. Hear the, hear the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who was born in a manger who now lives in our hearts. In Matthew twenty-eight twenty. he says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of of the age sure we're getting older but we're not at the end of the age we may be at the end towards our age but we're not toward the end of age you know what Christ was saying didn't matter how old you are or how young you are he will always be with us amen amen you can close your Bibles and put away your notes I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I want to read you this story. And I love this story because it reminds us what Christ came to do and what Christ was all about and, and how God, knowing how we operate, knowing, knowing how we're made up, knowing how we are as human beings, helps us to understand who Christ is and the love of Christ. I think about it this way. You know when you hear that scripture, so God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? I wonder if when he spoke that, 
And when he said those words, that we just think about love, which is a huge part of it. Because God loved the world, he gave his one and only son. It was because of love. We understand that. But I also wonder if, if when God made that decision to bring his son to live among us and then die for us, I wonder if during that season, I wonder, I wonder how many people who experienced the birth of Christ and the life of Christ and then the death of Christ and resurrection of Christ never changed. I wonder how many of them just never made a change. I wonder what happened to those people. I wonder what happens to the people who hear about Christ, understand the good news, but still turn away. I wonder what happens. Actually, you know what? I, I really don't want to know what happens. I'd rather wonder what happens when we do give our lives to Christ. I'd rather us think of that on that good side that, that every single person has a chance that I have, I have brought good news, glad tidings to all people. No one excluded. That Christ came to live among us so God could understand and Christ could understand what we go through so that He can give us the power to change. But I think more than that, I think it gives us more understanding of why Christ came to live among us. Because God could have done it any other way. But he chose that way. Let me read this story. There's a certain man who actually hated church. He just didn't like it at all, and especially during Christmas time. He said, Nope, nope, don't wanna don't believe in it. Don't wanna do it. You you guys can go to church. I'm done. I no, I don't want to believe in it. But he loved animals. He had horses. He had chickens. He had some mules. He even had pigs. And his favorite animals of all were ducks. He just loved ducks. Well, for some reason, they wouldn't go south when winter came. And so when winter came, it just got colder and colder. And, and the man fretted each day as it got colder. And each day that went by, the ducks just got weaker and weaker. He put grain on the ground in order to, to tempt the ducks into the barn where it was nice and warm. He put fox decoys all around the barnyard in an attempt to scare the ducks into the barn. In frustration, he finally attempted to physically herd the ducks into the warmth of the barn. But the more he waved and shouted, the more afraid and skittish the ducks became. His efforts only caused the ducks to flee even farther away from the warmth and the food with their loving duck shepherd that he was offering them. Well, in desperation, the poor man fell to his knees sobbing, knowing that the ducks would surely die soon and, and there was nothing he could do to help them. Nothing. Because as a human being... He was simply unfathomable to the ducks. They just could not understand or relate to him. He thought, if I only could be one of them, 
I could show them the way. I could communicate to them. And they would accept me and not be afraid of me. And I could bring them to the safety, warmth, and shelter of the place which I have prepared for them. Just then, as he's thinking about this, he heard the church bells ring nearby. And it was their Christmas service. And it was at that very moment that he realized for the first time in his entire life that that's exactly what God did for him by sending Jesus Christ. However God sets it up, whether there's something that leads you to Christ, maybe it's the ways of the world that kind of ushers us towards Christ, maybe it's the warmth of his heart or the thought of eternity. However God sets it up, the end result will always be the same, that God, soul of the world, that he gave his one and only son, that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, starting from today all the way into eternity. You bow your heads with me and we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, the, the season of Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the season will come and go. But you will be with us always, even to the end of the age. But there's many, Lord, that, that they don't understand that Maybe they don't know about you. And I pray right now, Lord, if there's anyone here that, that does not understand this miracle called salvation, I pray right now that as you spoke to all of our hearts, that they would make that decision, that they would make that choice to say to you and to themselves, I'm in a season of change. But today I'm making a change for the better. And if you want that better change, the greatest change we could ever experience, it's a change of the human heart, the human will, the human soul, the human mind, and the strength of humanity. It's that exchange of your life for his and it's a prayer I'm going to say it God hears your heart and say it and mean it with your whole heart Heavenly Father thank you for Jesus thank you for giving me the opportunity for a brand new life No matter what my past says, I'm listening to what you're saying for my future. 
I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. And I give you my life. I give you my heart in exchange for a better one. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I, I want to pray for you and pray with you. And if you just said yes to Jesus for the very first time, could you just lift a hand just real quickly? Be bold because that is the greatest change that you will ever experience. Go ahead, hold those hands up and I'll pray with you. Heavenly Father, there are people who have said yes to you. I pray that, that from this day forward, that even though things may be rocky or smooth, or bumpy at times that your promise is that you will be with us always and I pray for those that said yes to you that their relationship with you would be a wonderful relationship the best relationship in the world that in turn will overflow and make every single other relationship the best relationship also you can put your hands down and Lord, our heart this morning as we celebrate this season and for all of us as we go through seasons of change that we turn to you. We thank you for our family, our friends, our church, all of our loved ones and especially your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he gives us the power, the ability, the perseverance, the reason to live life to its fullest, full of joy. Because you're the one who brings joy to our world. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said...